go into the sermon this morning, and I've simply titled my sermon, Be Disciple Makers. This is concluding the series of sermons that we're focusing on missions. Last Sunday, uh, Pastor Lowell talked about how Jesus sent out his disciples in groups of two for the work he had for them. And today we're going to look at the passage in Matthew chapter 28, and not, we'll just make an introduction to comments, and then we'll turn there about what that means to be disciple makers. If you look at the picture of sports, a good coach will educate and train his team, his players, on how to play the game. He's very focused and very intentional. And one big goal that every coach has is he wants to have a winning team. And there's so much that's at stake in that. One thing the team does not do is just sit around eat chips and drink pop, and talk about sports. They actually do it. And so a team has practices. They talk about strategy, about tactics. They talk about how to play the game. Then they practice. And then they go actually go out and play. The question I want to ask us this morning is, if we take that kind of a picture, are we as followers of Jesus just talking about it, maybe studying it? Are we actually engaged in the process? And I'm not talking about going out door to door, knocking on the door. Are you a follower of Jesus? I'd like to see you become a follower of Jesus. Jesus told me to go make you a follower of Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living a life of obedience in a way that when people see my life of obedience, they're drawn to Christ through what they see. That's what I'm talking about. Jesus repeatedly called people to obedience, to a lifestyle of obedience towards him. One pastor uh, named Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Germany, he was put to death by the Nazis in World War II. He said this, you can only learn what obedience is by obeying. It's something you learn by doing. It's not something, you can, once, I, once I have more information, then I'll do it. No, it's you, you learn by doing. He also said, one act of obedience is better than a hundred sermons. Jesus repeatedly preached on the importance of loving God with everything we have, our neighbors as ourselves, and that's what it boils down to. It's a commandment. So today we're looking at the command of Jesus that he made to his disciples and how he spelled it out. We're going to cover it a few times. I'm going to go over it once briefly and then just come back again, over it again and again to get it down. So let's look at Matthew chapter Matthew chapter 8, 28, beginning at verse 18. Jesus came... And told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We call it the Great Commission. The word commission, it's not in here, but it just means transferring of responsibility, transferring of duties. That's what that simply means. For instance, when a church has a commissioning service for a missionary couple or a pastor or a deacon, they say we have a commissioning service. What that simply means is there's a time and a place, an event where they take that individual and say, okay, we as a church hereby authorize you, commission you, put you in ministry, we now give you that title. Now you are responsible for this mission, for this ministry. That's what that means. So Jesus, 
we call it the Great Commission. So here Jesus commissions his 11 disciples. Judas wasn't around anymore. He had committed suicide. But Jesus commissions the remaining 11 disciples to go out and make disciples of all nations. Just a little side note here. These guys, these 11 disciples, they were not the kind of men that maybe you and I would have chosen had Jesus told us, pick out 12 disciples for me and then I'll put them to work. I'm wondering who I would have picked had he sent me to find him some disciples. While these guys were, as the, as the Pharisees realized that later on in the book of Acts, they were unschooled men. They were ordinary guys from ordinary walks of life. Some fishermen, one was a tax collector, one was a zealot. Not a very, very um, good-looking, or the resumes weren't all that great. And sometimes the way they behaved with each other, that just proved it. And we, looking in on the outside, if we had lived at that time, we would say, yep, that won't work, that'll fail, it's all going to go downhill. It didn't. Once the Holy Spirit took a hold of these guys, they did marvelous stuff. Another thing that I just want to point out here is, interestingly enough, not everyone living today agrees with this passage. Well, that was for those guys then, it's not for us today. But Scripture doesn't back that up at all. To just say that, well, that's for those guys, it doesn't apply to you and me today, that's not holding true to Scripture. That interpretation does not hold water. The reality is, according to the teaching of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every single one of us, in some way, shape, or form, is called to live out these principles of love and, and disciple-making. We're all equal before God. We're all the same in His eyes. We may not have the same talents, but the direction is the same in which we're supposed to go. And so if you have, a, have made the commitment, have responded to the call of Jesus to take up your cross and follow him, you're part of this bunch. You're part of this group. In other words, we have to be careful that we don't treat this something like graduating from high school. Oh, you got my diploma. Been there, done that, now I can forget about it. Or college, or getting my driver's license. Okay, been there, done that, now I can forget about it. It's the beginning of a journey, not the finish of a journey. When we become a follower of Jesus... We sign up for a lifetime of commitment and service to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because he did say, which one was it supposed to be? Okay, I'm going the wrong way here. I want the other one. That, that one where it says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. What does that make him? When he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, that makes him king, supreme ruler. He is Lord. He has the final say. There's no other authority to go to to ask for a second opinion. Nothing changes after that. In the book of Revelation, when Jesus talks to the apostle John in the vision, he says, I am the beginning and the end. The Apostle Paul, he got this. He was a Pharisee, but when he became a follower of Jesus, he understood this. He was an enemy of Christ initially, but then when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he realized that he was doing something that was wrong. He was, he was repentant. He humbled himself. And then he began serving Jesus as king. And just read the story of Paul, the extreme suffering and the extreme cost that he paid for doing that. 
One time when Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel, he wrote from his prison cell a letter to the Philippian church, and he reminded them to have the same mind as Christ, and he went on to explain what Jesus had done. And he says, Christ laid down all his rights, all his power, and took on the form of a servant and suffered to the point of death. And then God raised him from the dead, and God elevated him to the point so that every name, to the highest name, that every knee shall bow down, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And that includes us. The disciples in Matthew 28, they knew who Jesus was, but they didn't have a complete full picture yet. That would come later. But at this point in time, they have a right idea, but not the full picture. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, you can find it. You can read that on your own. But there they ask God, ask Jesus about establishing the earthly kingdom again, and Jesus gives them an answer. Well, you'll receive power. God is going to the times are not for you to know, but God will receive power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So they receive that, they accept that, and they go, and they do that. And so because of who Jesus is, his words have power. Let's read verse 19. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always to the end of the age. It's a very loaded passage. And it's interesting how focused, how action-loaded this passage really is. Go, make, baptize, teach. All verbs that he's telling them. It's a full slate. It's easy to read it. Living it is a lifetime calling. So we may know this intellectually in our minds, maybe even understand it, but do we live it? And in fact, there's a part of this passage, if we take it out, many people wouldn't even miss it. The idea of making, of, uh, making disciples is perhaps scarier or intimidating. That idea alone is something that many people are scared of. But what happens is if we read it a little bit further... I'll read it this way. And Jesus came to his disciples. Let's take that one out. Yeah, just leave that one. That's fine. Just leave that one there. And Jesus came to his disciples. said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And leave out the red part. And be sure of this. I'm with you always to the end of the age. If you leave out verse 20, the part of verse 20, if you leave that out, what is missing? The teaching part. That part is gone. One speaker once mentioned that you literally, he has been done, literally done. Write it, write it out with that part not there and some people just brush right over it and never even realize it's not there. They don't catch it. So the question I have for us is, are we, first of all, making disciples and then are we teaching them? Those are two things. The early church did this. The early church was very focused, very intentional about this. They did two things. First, they made disciples, and then they taught them. And the reason we know this is because of what the church did, how it worked out. But in too many cases, the work simply doesn't doesn't happen. We don't make disciples on the first hand. And the second, the ones that maybe come to church or that do become Christians as a result of coming to church, well, we don't really teach them either. And what's worse... I've actually had it happen where people will say to me, and I don't mean, 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 mean to talk down on people, where, one, where I have been told, just hire professionals for it. Just hire professionals. And my comeback was, well, then that 
defeats the purpose of us being a church. So let the preacher teach my kids. Let the Sunday school teacher teach the kids. And so the excuses go on. Jesus never qualified his commands and started making exceptions and exclusions here. Every single one who is a follower of his needs to take this seriously and in some way, shape, or form be involved, be part of this ministry of making disciples. One reason we know that they were both involved in making disciples and in teaching them was because of what happened. If you read Acts 8, we won't read that part. Acts 8, a big persecution breaks out in the church. The religious Pharisees and leaders of the Jewish system, they were very, very disturbed, very angry at what was going on, and they said, we've got to stop this, and eventually they killed Stephen. It says that a great persecution broke out, and so all the disciples were scattered. That's what Acts chapter 8 says, except the apostles that stayed in Jerusalem to give leadership. But all the disciples were scattered, and what it says in Acts 8 verse 4, they were scattered and they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Okay, they're new disciples. They've been taught. In that short time, I think it was maybe a few years, they've been trained. Don't know how long it was, but they were trained. And so they could have said, okay, the persecution's breaking out. We're going to go leave here. We're going to shut up. We're going to make be the quiet in the land. We're not going to raise any, any, any trouble. But they didn't. They were dispersed because of persecution, but they went out making disciples. Some commentators have said that the early church was not very, um, very, um, Intentional about going out initially. We don't want to judge them. We don't know what all happened. But the persecution sure was a, was a, an agent of spreading the gospel very fast. They couldn't shut them down. They couldn't shut them up. The, another thing that I want to point out here is that this happens in community. Let's go to one more here. Verse 19. So go and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday when Lowell preached, he talked about how they went out two by two. Uh, Usually, they went out as teams. And if you read the book of Acts, usually there's a group that goes out. And Jesus, he didn't just get one disciple and told him to go. He had a group of these guys. He didn't just commission one of them. He commissioned his 12, I mean his 11 that he had. It's not written here, but we should note this. And this is not just a one-time, temporary, part-time thing. It's a lifetime of commitment. That's why baptism is so important here. And a lot has changed in our time. People are very casual, very casual, very non-committal about this. But this is far more serious than we take it for. I'm never suggesting a person should not get baptized. But what I am saying is become a disciple and then get baptized to those who are searching for this. And there are people who think that, well, you can be a Christian whether you're baptized or not, it's not a big deal. But to Jesus, it was a big deal. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Making a public declaration of who you're living for from here on. Sometimes a person may say things like, well, I can be a Christian without getting baptized. Sure you can, up to a point. But there comes a time if you want to make that public, you have to make it public through a, a, a commissioning service or a committal service of some kind. It's a bit like a couple wants to live as husband and wife but don't want to promise their faithfulness to each other. It doesn't work. It, people try it, but it's like keeping the back door open. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus made it very clear in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was very specific, very intentional, very focused, very very direct. It's a covenant. It's not a contract. It's not a deal. This is, this is deeper than a marriage bond. 
And then again, he says, teach these, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. This is something we're called to actually do. At my stage in life, where I'm at now, just thinking of my own carnal nature at this point, there are times I'm tempted to just throw up my hands and say, Lord, do you have any idea how difficult this is in life? Not to mention how stubborn and stuck up some people can be. And, and in my heart and my mind, it's just like Jesus saying to me, yeah, I know, you're one of them. So all I can say is, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you for not giving up. Because you don't give up on me, I won't give up either. The good thing is this ministry of work, of love and grace to which we've been called is a privilege. It's, it's not a, it's, yes, it's a duty, but it's a privilege. We get to not have to. And it's not always easy. It's not always successful. And when I'm going to say it's not successful, I mean people will actually reject it. It's happened all the time. But that's not what we base it on. And sometimes I say to people, the quickest way for a young adult to come to a realization how much they still have to learn, like, you know, teenagers, they sometimes think they know so much. Just get married, have a family. Reality hits fast and hard. And it keeps you grounded. Working for Jesus is a bit like that. Just get in, just get involved, just plug in, just start. And all of a sudden, you'll know how much you need Jesus, how much you need God. And in that process, he's going to use you. Yes, there are people who refuse, and even good people refuse. They still have to go. Remember Moses? He refused. God called him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Remember what he said? I don't want to go. And God had this back and forth, back and forth, and finally, finally Moses has the audacity to say, God, please send somebody else. And God got angry. Not a good thing. The nerve. Trying to get out of it. You know, there's only one right way to live. And that is to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples for Jesus. But what can I do? Maybe you'll never make a disciple. Maybe you'll just be witnessing. But then you already are in the process. The other thing is, you always need to be teachable. The disciples still needed to be taught. They were, not, they, were, they were students. They were learners. Remember the apostle Paul, when he became a follower of Christ, he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Jesus says, Go into the city, you will be told what you must do. An educated man like Paul had to learn to learn. We're we're students making students. We're learners making learners. Teaching them what we know. Teaching them what we've heard. I know it sounds awfully difficult. But that's why Jesus gives us grace. That's why he's compassionate and patient. He knows we're in the learning setting. He He knows we're in learning mode. We always will be. But as we're faithful and we are in learning mode, we'll be teaching others. We'll be living by example, speaking where we can. And as I said before, this does not look the same for everyone. For some, it literally means a physical teaching position. For others, it simply means living out the gospel in your factory. The way you greet people. The way you encourage people. And sometimes maybe confront too. Or to model the life of Christ before them. It's for all of God's children. Teaching new disciples. Making disciples and teaching new disciples. So to bring this home now, how does this, or what does this look like for you as an individual? Well, I can't teach. I hardly know the Bible. No problem. Maybe you're a mother in the home. You have little children. You're called to live this out for your children. Those little people, they're not just children. They're little people. 
whom God has trusted into your care with the intent that he wants you to model his life for them so that they see Christ in you. You are their teacher. You're a disciple maker. Maybe you have just one little baby. Not two, but one. That's fine. Are you doing it? Maybe you're in a different phase in life. Maybe you're past that. Maybe your children have left the home already. But your children are always your responsibility. That never stops. Praying for them, modeling Christ for them. And you know what? Sometimes is the difficult part. You have to apologize and ask for forgiveness because you mess up. Even that is part of the picture. Because that's what followers of Jesus do. Own their mistakes. Own their sins. Repent when they do wrong. Maybe you're a father who's working outside the home, who's working at a job, and it's hard. You bring them the paycheck, buy the groceries, feed the family. Your wife and children need to see what that looks like. When a disciple of Christ has a job, feeds his family, what that looks like. And other men who need to see, oh, he doesn't blow his money on needless stuff or on on alcohol and, and stuff that destroys families. Whether you're at work, at your job, whether you're a boss or a worker, it doesn't matter. Whether you're a supervisor or an employee, it doesn't matter. The truth of the matter is all of us are called out to live out this principle in some way, shape, or form. That's making disciples. Never take comfort in the fact, oh, oh, I can't teach, I can't preach. That's no excuse. You can always be honest. You can always be faithful. You can always take, make use of opportunities that come your way. doesn't matter where you are, what job you have or where you are. Moses' life is recorded as a man of God who talked, whom God talked with personally, but that happened after he committed himself. What's encouraging is that we're not alone. I like the last one here. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you're going to be a disciple maker, don't kid yourself. You will need Jesus. But the good thing is he's with us all the time, walking with us. Being a disciple and a disciple maker is not a vacation. It's the carrying of a cross. It's not a cakewalk. It's not a stroll down easy street. It's a life of self-denial, possibly hardship, and maybe even the ultimate price of our lives. But the trade-off, if we do it, is eternal. We have an eternal relation with him that nobody can take away from us, as we heard in the song. Nothing can take away this from the worship team. Nothing can take this away from us. It's secure for all eternity. Nobody will come and say, okay, I just took your your salvation from you. That can't happen. We can walk away from God, we can rebel, but nobody's going to come and take our relationship away. If we become disciple-makers, we'll experience peace and joy that this world hasn't got a clue what we're talking about. So my prayer is that God will give us this hunger, this thirst, this desire for a relationship with Him, and then to follow Him and become and be disciple-makers. Maybe you say, well, I don't fit this picture. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're not even a follower of Jesus yet. That's okay. You're welcome here. We love you too. As much as Jesus does. In fact, I would say this to you. If you're not a follower of Jesus at this point in time in your life, I would say, if Jesus had to put a sticker price on you, on everyone, the sticker price is the same for every single individual, no matter how rich you are, no matter how poor you are, how educated you are, how uneducated you are, how old you are, how young you are, makes no difference. Every single one would have a sticker price, the price of my son. 
the price of my son, the price of my son. Every single one makes no difference. You're loved, you're cherished by Jesus himself. To the nth degree, he died for you too. Or you can say, it's not for me. We're not here to judge. We're here to invite, to encourage, and to bless. So I would like to invite you, if you have not made that commitment in your life yet, make that commitment. Put your faith and trust in Christ. Repent of your sin. Allow him to cleanse your, cleanse your heart and your soul. And then walk with him and see what he will do. It truly is an experience out of this world. Jesus died on the cross to make this possible. He rose from the dead and, and he commissioned his 11 disciples. And then he said to them, I want you to carry this on and I'm with you to the end of time. The church of Jesus Christ is still busy doing exactly that. And the greatest thing that can happen to us is when we become a part of that. Is it perfect? Nope. Is it easy? Nope. Is it clean? It's messy. But is it good? It is good. Because that's the only thing that will last in eternity. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word to us. You commissioned your 11 disciples. And from there it spread through the whole world and is spreading to this day. The church has a message of hope, of love and life. And that we want to spread. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in our lives and are doing in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us who's made that commitment would take it seriously and with joy and gladness go and serve in our own little way to be a disciple maker and to teach others. Whatever that may look like, whether it's a homemaker or a worker or a teacher in the school, it doesn't matter. And those of us who are not yet there, that we would surrender. Allow you into our lives as you want to come and cleanse us and make us into disciples who will be disciple makers. We thank you, Jesus.